and thank you for tuning into the Business and Wealth Show with your host, Matt Catrum. Let's go. Hey, and welcome. Welcome to Business and Wealth Show. Uh, today, we have Colin Sandberg with us, uh, obviously your host, Matt Catrum. And today, we are talking all things numbers. And if you want to make money through your business, you need to understand your numbers. There is a saying, there is a saying that the language of business is numbers, accounts, accounting, finance. That's the language of business because you need to understand if you want to sell your business, you need to know your numbers. If you want to grow your business, you need to know what? Your numbers. If you're looking for more finance to as cash injection, looking for more capital, you need to know what? Your numbers. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the show, Colin Sandberg. Colin, welcome, welcome to the Business and Wealth Show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mac. And uh, and I love that quote that you just said. You know, my, one of my earliest mentors taught me that in my early twenties, and it kind of changed my life. So it's great that you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the language of business, the language of business. So we, today we're talking about the language of business because often you hear people talk about do this with your marketing or do this with uh, your operations and do all this. If you don't know your numbers, you will eventually struggle. So, Colin, generally when we start these conversations, I like to ask about your entrepreneurial journey. What was your background? How did you get started? I know you were part of your family business and you, you exploded that. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. So um, the family business that I went to, I, I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was 21, turning 22 years old. I didn't know anything, didn't have a business background, obviously, at that point. And you know, just looked around and said, who's the person nearest me who's got a, a small business I can go learn from? And you know, went to a family business. Uh, it was my intent to be there for about maybe a year. And then I was going to go do my own thing. And 22 years later, I own that business, uh, <laughs> which is nice you know, kind of how life works, right? Huh? Um, but you know, and and when I went in, it was a real shock to me. So I went in for the first you know six months or a year. I I you know I was doing non financial jobs within the company. Had no idea what was going on with the finances. Thought they were okay, but not great. And you know, got got in there and saw under the hood in terms of the numbers, and was just blown away. Like I was still a kid didn't know anything about, you know, the financial side of, of business, but I knew what I was looking at wasn't good. And it didn't, you know, it didn't take a background to know that, you know, not being able to make payroll easily is a problem that, mm. you know, having customers who owe you a bunch of money that won't pay you is a problem. You know, vendors calling that you can't pay because you don't have any cash is a problem. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, that was a very eye opening for me. And it, it taught me at that very young age that like I had a an immense uh, appreciation for the significance of the financial side of business from that point forward. Got it. Got it. Got it. And and like you said, you fixed that business by the numbers using, yeah. I, I presume by that, that stage, common sense, because you did you have an MBA by then? Are you did you have an MBA? Do you have an accounting qualification? No. What was it? No, so I was about. I'd been in the business for a total of about five years. I'd been running the numbers for probably close to four years when I I started my MBA program, and you know that was it. I basically we we were working through a lot of the challenges, but still pretty deep in them, and didn't know the right things to do. I just knew what things we were doing that were wrong, right? Mm. And I kind of jokingly say, you know, if there were ten things that could kill a company, we were doing like nine out of ten of them. 
Wow. <laughs> and yeah, we were just we were making every stupid mistake you can make. And so when I started, it was just it was a lot of like, I don't know what the right answer is, but I know it's not that because that's a terrible idea. <laughs> so we got to stop doing that. And so that was kind of my education at that point. And so the turning the corner and going and get my executive MBA was me basically saying, look, I know these big companies, like nobody survives to be a midsize or large company without mastering their numbers. Yeah. So let me go learn what they know that we don't. And then I'll come back and figure out how to how the heck to apply it in this uh, tiny little company that we had. And so that was that was basically, you know, me going to get my MBA. Right, right, right. So let me let me understand then, because like you said, nine out of the 10 things that could be wrong or should not be doing, you would do it. Where did you start? Because there's so many different places you could start to fix the numbers. What was the hemorrhaging hemorrhaging factor? What was bleeding money? What was it? Where did you start? Yeah. So I'll give you uh, two interesting perspectives on that. So the same mentor who told me that, you know, the, the accounting is the language of business, right? That, uh-huh. that, that kind of uh, logic. Yeah. You know, he also taught me that, you know, when you're looking at a problem like this, believe it or not, it's as simple as look at your balance sheet, look at your, your profit and loss or your income statement, whatever you call it, and look for the biggest number. Mm. Figure out what's going on with the biggest number. I mean, literally, it is start with the biggest number, right? Because by by definition, that's where you can have the most impact. Wow. And so, it, believe it or not, you know that was the initial logic. Well, for us, the biggest number is you know how much uh, sales or revenue we're bringing in, right? It's mm. that simple. And so we started looking at like, is, is everything we're selling is this good? Is this actually good money? You know that we're making money on these this work, and so. That's kind of the the big picture version, right? Uh-huh. What I did with that information was I took it as small as you get. I mean, we we focused on every quote, every deal we signed, and I obsessed over them for like five years. I mean, it went on for year after year after year of me looking at every single little deal, no matter how small it was. I mean, I had people bringing me a $30 deal. Okay. And, and they're like, do I really need to bring some? I'm like, hey, we're learning. Every time is like a rep that we can take a look and yeah. we can learn and we can walk through the logic together. And so, you know, you solve big problems on a very small scale sometimes. You just have to do it a lot of times. Got it. Got it. What are the key numbers, Colin, that small business owners need to focus on? Now, I suppose it may differ from industry to industry, but generally, in general principles, what are some of the key numbers that they must be aware of each week or each month? Yeah. So I always say that, you know, I want to understand how a company makes money. Like I could see it on the back of a napkin. Right. What I mean by that is, you know, I want to be able to see from a percentage standpoint how the company makes money. So we all, we all talk about margin, which would be, you know, how much sales that I have minus, you know, what, what my cost of, of materials are. Right. And so we look at that as a percentage that's very commonly just understood that's margin. Right. Yeah. But we can take it a step further. We can look at things like sales as a as a, all sales costs, sales and marketing costs as a percentage of revenue. We can look at, you know, what are our labor costs as a percentage of revenue. And when you do that, what's really interesting is that you can then kind of do like what if scenarios. You can go, what if we what if revenue went down by by half? What wow. if revenue doubled? 
and which of these things move with revenue and which of them are just fixed. Right. And by seeing that, you start to see these levers within your business that you can pull and how you can manipulate things. And so as simple as that is, I mean, that was really how I fixed that company was I said, hey, our margins are terrible. Uh, we've got to fix that. Well, how do we fix it? We fix it on every quote, every deal. And we just start grinding out like a little bit higher percentage, a little bit higher percentage. And how else do we do it? We understand really closely what our fixed costs are and fixed costs don't go up with revenue. We don't mm -hmm. have that budget bloat, you know, that a lot of companies fall victim to of just going like, oh, well, we just, you know, of course we're spending more because we're making more, but yeah. some things you don't have to spend more, you know, that's how you carve out more profit. Awesome. Listen, Colin, from an accounting or uh, numbers perspective, very quickly, what are the key things that if they're not focused on, the business owner will take them downhill very quickly and kill the business? What is that thing? What is that number? What is that line that if they do not work on, will take the business down? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, it's to me, that's cash. I mean, you have to look at your cash. And, and really, I would take it a step further. You have to understand how the cash flows through your business. Mm -hmm. And you have to fix that to the point where you actually are making more cash by growing. And some businesses are well set up for that and some aren't. But you better understand your business. In other words, you know, hey, I take an order from a customer. Does that mean the customer just paid me? Or does that mean that I start spending money? Uh -huh. Who spends money when they place an order? That difference between those two can be the life or death of a company. There are companies that grow out of business which sounds crazy if you haven't really looked at how the numbers work. But if, if a customer placing an order means you spend money and they don't, then the more orders you get, the more money you spend. And you can literally grow yourself to death. Mm, absolutely. And, and you know, as you're saying that, Colin, reminds me of the age-old quote, and you'd have heard this, I'm sure, that sales is vanity yeah. and profit is sanity. And what you're saying is cash or cash flow is reality. <laughs> yeah. Cash flow yeah, absolutely. is reality, right? Carry yeah. On. So I've, uh, the, the version of that quote, uh, I think, like you said, that's been around for a long time. The version I love has the three elements. Uh -huh. it's, it's sales are, are vanity, profit is sanity, and cash is king. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's kind of that, like you said, cash is reality or cash is king. That's a really important thing to remember as a business owner. Yeah, and, and let me ask you, Colin, if numbers or if accounting is the language of business, why is it so many small business owners can't speak that language? Mm. That's a great question. So, you know, in my personal opinion, I know a lot of different entrepreneurs and we've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and I've got a lot of friends who are entrepreneurs and obviously I've been an entrepreneur for a long time. I think that, you know, 95% of people just don't enjoy math. And so when you start a business, it usually starts as simple as I either have money in the bank or I don't. And they start running their business thinking just about their bank account and like cash in the bank means good. No cash in the bank means bad. And so everything they do is, is this oversimplified. Mm -hmm. And then as they grow, they start to make a successful business. They never really grow out of that kind of like simplified mindset. And so you know, to, in order to grow, they know they have to learn more about sales and marketing than they ever knew before. They got to mm -hmm. learn more about ops. They got to manage people. They start figuring out these elements and this kind of like, you know, hidden away skeleton in the closet is that they don't really know their numbers. 
And so I just encourage people as a business owner, like that's part of being a pro, right? Mm -hmm. That's part of being, being a legit entrepreneur is to learn your numbers. You know, it just comes with it. You don't have to be a finance expert, but you have to understand them. And what's the, um, the best way for small business owners to acquire that knowledge, improve their financial knowledge? Yeah, I would say that you know one of them is is find somebody really smart to work with, either in a mastermind group hmm. or an expert. I'm not talking about your banker. I'm not talking about your CPA. I'm talking about somebody who understands how to run a company, right? Hmm. Um, so find somebody, find a mentor, or you can start as small as as what I did, which is reading some good books. Um, you know, there's uh, Keith Cunningham has written some really good books. Greg Crabtree has written some really good books. They don't read quite like textbooks, like people are, I think, afraid of when they think about doing this. You know, you can find good books that teach you the numbers without it being a chore. So that's that's really, you know, again, depending on where you are in the and what you have access to, that's what I would recommend. Yeah, and and you you went the long route which is, hey, I'm going to go and do this MBA. And so you you yeah. chilled it out. You went all the way. But you're saying it's as simple as, look, get some great books. I keep counting them. He's great. Study from him. And, um, and, it, and it really does help. Using, acquiring that knowledge that you acquired, it's allowed you to grow that business, take over that business, and also acquire other business. Tell us a little bit, other businesses rather, tell us a little bit about that process and how accounting has come in to uh, make that effective. Yeah. So the, the way, you know, one other thing I would recommend is get your business to where it's stable. And then once it's stable, in my opinion, cash should be a one-way door leaving a business. I should never have to put money back into a business. Mm. And so to your point, if I'm taking money out of a business, which is what I got, I finally got my first business, you know, I had to get it from you know, losing money to breaking even to finally making money to be able to stock, stockpile some cash, fix our balance sheet and actually have money left over. Once I got it to that point, I got that money out of the company as quickly as possible. And then it becomes, okay, I'm never putting it back in this company. I need something else I can do. And I know small business. And so that's when I started investing in other companies. And that was basically the logic was, okay, I'm going to get into other businesses that I understand other businesses that I understand their economic engine, like how are they going to make money? And I can simplify it to the point of that back of the napkin. Mm -hmm. And then I can just, you know, invest and grow. And, and as I take out capital from a business, if it's, you know, profits or we get to the point where we someday sell a company, all that goes somewhere else. I don't, I don't live off that money. You know, I try to have the discipline of saying that's capital to reinvest somewhere else. And so just right. doing that over time and, and looking for those opportunities. Yeah, and just turning over that money into other opportunities, other businesses. Fantastic. Very, very good. So do you, is this a, a passion work? Is this something numbers were passion, you were passionate about or you just fell into it and got to understand it? What was going on with you? You know, I, I think it's a combo. So I was in that kind of 5%, I always say 5%, I have no idea, of people who enjoy math. Mm. Uh, I never took it to like trigonometry calculus. I didn't get into the complex math, but I love the like foundational math and really understanding like what numbers meant. And so as I, as I, uh, fell into business, you know, I've learned to love all the elements of business. I love the psychology of business and the sales elements. I love the team and leadership piece of business. I love the strategy. It's all fascinating to me, 
but the numbers seem to be more of a unique skill set and unique focus that a lot of people who enjoy those other things don't like the numbers. And so, you know, when when COVID hit or people have gone through challenges, I've got a lot of friends and in, in mastermind groups and that sort of thing. I was always just somebody who was people were asking about the number side of business and I was giving advice around the number side of business. And so that, you know, once I kind of looked up and went, wait a minute, this is just something that I naturally do. Mm-hmm. It became obvious that it would be, it would make for a good company for me to, to start to uh, support other entrepreneurs that way. That's great. Great, great answer. Thanks for that, uh, Colin. Colin, let me ask you, as an owner of multiple businesses myself, I know the importance of numbers because I'm not operational in my businesses. So I need to know the numbers. And and so it's very important. As an owner of multiple businesses yourself, how do you manage those businesses where you are not there every day yeah. to ensure that they are operating effectively from an accounting standpoint? Yeah, well, like you said, you know, if you think about it and you own, like you do, multiple companies, you know, you have a view into those companies of some type, right? And I always say there's kind of those three main areas of a business. It's sales, it's operations, and it's finance. And so, you know, there's a limited amount of view I can have into a company without being there every day. But once I understand how that company makes money and I can look at their financials, I can look very quickly and understand if it's working or it's not working. Right. And so what I do there is we try to shrink the time period as small as possible from a financial standpoint. So we've got one business, for example, where I can look at it weekly because the nature of the business, the way the work flows, the way they do their payroll, everything fits into a weekly kind of time period. Right. So I look at those numbers weekly. And so you want to shrink that period of time. And I've got another business where we try to look at a monthly, but realistically, it's almost a quarterly look. I don't love that. But it's the nature of that business. And so basically, uh, once I look at it that way, once I understand how a business makes money, then I can glance at it and go like, yep, that looks good. That's what it's supposed to look like. And you look at the trends and you kind of you know, track the numbers. Awesome. Great, great answer. The, um, you've, you've created or grown a business and you've also acquired businesses. What are some key principles or, yeah, around founding a business mm. versus acquiring businesses, what is easier? What's simpler? What's some principles that you want to share with us on? Yeah. So I would, you know, one of the things I would suggest is that if all things were equal, okay, if I could get the same exact business, whether I started it or bought it, I would buy a business that already made money. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because they've already overcome all of the challenges that a startup faces of, you know, can I get the right clients, uh, build a brand? Like they've already proven some of those things. And so there's a lot of power in a business that already exists. Mm-hmm. And so if you can just kind of tap into that, that's to me the cleanest, most straightforward way to go. It doesn't mean you're not going to have to fix it. doesn't mean you're not going to have to make improvements and grow it, but you're starting from ahead of the game already if it's making money. And so if you had unlimited resources, that's what I would recommend. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I just think, un, un, you know, unfortunately, most people who are starting business, especially if it's the way you're starting in your career, you're starting with limited resources. And so starting a business is more logical potentially than buying one. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because a lot of the headache and the baby sitting and the uh, uh, all the vomiting from the new baby and all the cleaning up the new baby, they would have gone. Through, the founder would have gone through all of that, a lot of that. So yeah. now with acquiring this business, it's a case of uh, fixing it where it needs fixing and keep an eye on it so it keeps uh, keeps going the right way, right? Exactly. And so, like my new company that I've started is a strategic finance firm. We're helping companies make money with their numbers. Mm-hmm. That's really what we're doing. Well, I couldn't find a company that was really doing that, not to the level that I would want to, not in the way that I would want to. And so I didn't have that you know, uh, A or B option that I could pick from. Right. There was really no A. B was my only option was to start something. And so I'm, I'm excited to be doing that, but hey, I'm feeling it. It's it's tough. There's a lot of, like you said, sometimes a baby spits up on you, you know, it's not yeah, always fun. Yeah. Let, me, um, let me say this. Um, and this is because I want people to get a definition, a clear definition between what you do and what a CPA does or an accountant, we call them, do. Yep. What is that distinction? What is the difference? Because you help business owners grow their business using a very specific way that you do that but you're not an accountant. You're not a CPA. So tell us a little bit more about that and Financial Elevate, I think your your framework is called. Go go ahead. Yeah. So yeah, to your point, you know, I would say that your average CPA or accountant, what they're doing is, you know, you get to the end of the year, maybe you have a session before the end of the year, but they're basically saying, where are you looking like you're going to land? Let's start making some plans. Maybe they can help you save money on your taxes, right? And occasionally they might throw you a, a tip or two, like, "Hey, you know, it looks like your 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 uh, labor is going up compared to what your revenue is doing." You know, you might want to look at that. So what we do is very different. We're in the business. Uh, we're actually working directly with the business owner throughout the year. We're not really advising on taxes. We're helping make sure you make so much money that your CPA has a lot of work to do. Right. That's really our goal. Yeah. Yeah. And so the way we do that is we we've got to get in in the business and help look at, you know, are your revenues growing? Do you have those, as I was talking about, percentage-based uh metrics in your business? Are you actually improving your cash flow as you go? Or is that something you've kind of forgotten about because you got a little cash in the bank and so you stopped worrying about your cash flow? So we're in the business helping on on that level. And what we start with is we ask the business owner, like, what's your goal? And most business owners want to either grow their revenue, they want to increase profitability, they want to fix their cash flow, or they want to exit their business, whether it's sell it or hire somebody to run it. And so depending on which of those four goals, now we're actually helping you work on your goal. We're not just in there throwing ideas at you. Mm-hmm. And so with that in hand, you know, we we have something we call the Fin Score, which is a way that we do a report card on your business. It gives you a view of how you're doing based on those four goals, and then based on the results of those two things, we have a playbook. And the playbook is Keith Cunningham, Greg Crabtree, stuff I've come up with. It's all the best practices I could find. 450 different items, and we we're, we're going to go after helping improve your business based on what your goal is and where you're really at. Wow. Sounds like a, and that, that's what you call the financial elevate or elevation. Is it, is that the product? Exactly. Yep. yep. And, and what type of um, entrepreneurs do you like working with? What's the sweet spot for, because uh, clearly startups, is it for startups? Is it for those are in, in the growth stage? 
is it better for those in the scaling stage? Yeah, I would say that, you know, for the most part, we're probably not working with a ton of startups just because they don't have the money to, to spend on that. Although, you know, I'm always happy to uh, give people some advice and that sort of thing. But most of I would say the sweet spot is, you know, businesses that are doing, you know, probably 1 million or more in revenue, 1 million to 10 million is kind of our sweet spot. And a lot of them are business owners who have hit that first. I always say there's kind of a few different ceilings that you hit. Yeah. One of those first ceilings when you realize you can't do it all anymore, right? Maybe you've gotten your business to a million or two million in 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 uh, sales, but it's you against the world, right? And then you get there and you realize I'm burnt out. I can't take a vacation. This is miserable. And so you go, I need somebody else to take over sales. I need somebody else to help with ops. Like I need somebody else to cover for me so I can take a vacation. And it's usually at that point that people say, I need, I need help on my numbers. Right. And so that's usually the, the entrepreneur who's had that mindset shift is usually our client. Got it. Got it. What's the alternative to that? So in some places that small business owner, the CEO hires a, a, a CFO or hires a, um, how do you call it? You know, someone who can come in part time to do their numbers for them. So are there yeah. variations of that? Yeah. So to your point, you know, I think what what I've seen a lot in in small businesses is the number one flaw is you just take the person who sits at the front desk or they're administrative, maybe they're organized, but they're not necessarily like a numbers expert. Right. And you just keep promoting them up and think, well, you know, hey, I've got somebody, Steven, on the team who is willing to do this. And so you just kind of ride that. And the reality is that person is never going to help you understand the numbers. They're not going to help you grow. They're not going to get you to that next level. That's the first mistake I see. Right. The second mistake is getting an overly complicated plan and nobody to help you do it. Right. And so some people go and get like, I need a fractional CFO. That's what I was going to. Yeah. Who's going to tell me this really complicated plan? Well, if you're selling your company, if you're trying to do a merger or some sort of acquisition, if you're doing some sort of really complex change in your business, maybe you need that type of person. Hmm. But real, realistically, what you need is somebody to help you in the day-to-day -day grind of the financials of your business. It's not about a super complex plan. Like I said, there's 450 different ideas. Hmm. Are you going to do 450 different things? No realistically... Exactly. If you like numbers, you would have done it in the first place. So that's kind of where we feel like we fit in that in between. It's like you can keep the Steven type. We'll give you the advice and, and put a plan in place, but then we'll actually help execute the plan, make progress in the business and not just give you another to-do list and walk away and then come back a month later and go, what do you mean you didn't do anything? That's it. That's it. I got it. Listen, Colin, for those who want to uh, learn from you, learn these concepts, get involved, you know, ask you questions. What's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. So the first one, you can connect with me on, on LinkedIn. Um, just, you know, Colin Sandberg, I'm sure you'll have uh, information in the show notes and have my name. So that's the first way. The second one is, you know, you can just go to our website. So it's www.finelevate.com -E and just, you know, connect with us there. One of the things that I do, you know, that I'm happy to do for any of your listeners, if somebody wants like a 45 minute, you know, I call it the deep dive 45, I'll take a look at their situation for 45 minutes, give them as many tips and, and ideas as I can, give them suggestions. No, there's no uh, obligation. It's not a sales tool. I promise I'm not going to pitch anything. 
if I pitch, you tell me, you know, you call BS and hang up on me. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I do that just to try and help people. You know, if somebody wants some advice and wants another set of eyes on things. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, putting that good karma out in the world, there'll be enough, enough opportunities will come back. So, yeah, those are the, the, the easiest ways. And uh, I hope somebody will take me up on it. Well, there you go. So you can get hold of Colin, Colin Sandberg at, um, on LinkedIn. You can also go to www.finelevate.com. As he said, we will put it into the show notes. And also take him up on his offer. Deep dive in for, deep dive forty five. I love that. I love that term. Yeah. Deep dive forty five, where he can help you and advise you the right way. No pitch, no sales, but you'll be able to know where you stand, and hopefully, you may want to use his services. Now, uh, I'm going to come back for to Colin in a moment for a uh, few closing words. But if you're watching this, listening to this, it doesn't matter which platform you are on. Remember, the algorithm likes activity, so like share make a comment do something so that this can become even more popular we can bring you more experts just like colin and we can share these things that help small businesses today we're talking about counting we're talking about numbers we're talking about how to grow your business by understanding the accounting side of it which not many people talk about but colin does that's why my team and i said we've got to get a colin on this show here so colin over to you any last words anything i haven't asked that is pertinent to this conversation no i think it's been great i mean i just i want to you know say again to people don't be scared of your numbers you know one of the things i love to tell people is your numbers tell a story you already know the story of your business you know when things are working and when they're not figure out how the numbers also say that same story and then when you kind of merge those two ideas together the numbers start to make a lot more sense to you. So again, don't shy away from them. You understand the story of your business, figure out how the numbers reflect that story. And all of a sudden it starts to come into view and it starts to make sense. And, and now you know how to go out and solve the story and the numbers take care of themselves. Superb. Great, 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 great summary there. Thank you, Colin. And I want to say thank you again for watching the Business and Wealth Show. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. Remember to comment, uh, like, share, tell your friends uh, about this as well so they can watch, they can listen as well. So until we speak again, God bless, good luck, happy business entrepreneurship, and let's build that business. Bye for now. Thanks, Colin. Thanks.